It's Tuesday, April the 14th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Chinese infections rise and Amazon hires again. First, the world in brief. China reported its biggest daily tally of new coronavirus infections in more than a month, saying that workers returning from Russia were responsible for many of them. Sixty people on a flight from Moscow tested positive after landing in Shanghai on April 10th. The land border with Russia has been closed to foreigners. Some Spanish workers went back to their jobs as Spain's government lifted restrictions on sectors that are neither public-facing nor essential. Public-facing sectors remain closed. Essential workers never stopped working. The decision to reopen was taken despite reservations of the country's COVID-19 expert committee. But the health minister says that the disease's peak in Spain appears to have passed. Emmanuel Macron, France's president, said the lockdown would continue until May 11th as he gave his third televised speech to the nation. France entered a strict lockdown on March 17th after many people ignored social distancing guidelines. The number of new daily COVID-19 cases in France has fallen, but with over 300 deaths a day, the death toll has reached almost 15,000. Robert Redfield, the head of America's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, predicted that America's own COVID-19 peak was near. We are stabilizing across the country right now. For the first time, the daily death toll fell for three days in a row. Yet Dr. Redfield cautioned against a rush to end lockdowns. Reopening should be a step-by-step gradual process. Bernie Sanders, who dropped out of the race for the Democratic presidential nomination last week, endorsed Joe Biden. The socialist senator from Vermont used a virtual event to urge his supporters, along with all Democrats and a lot of Republicans, to back his former rival. In 2016, Mr Sanders had waited until July to endorse his then-rival Hillary Clinton. SoftBank Group said it expects its Vision Fund to make a loss of 1.8 trillion yen, $17 billion, in the fiscal year ending on March 31st. The Japanese technology fund's performance was blamed on the deteriorating market environment as the pandemic disrupted stock markets. SoftBank itself forecasts an operating loss in excess of 1.3 trillion yen. It made 2.3 trillion yen a year earlier. In America, Amazon is to hire another 75,000 workers to meet demand from customers shopping from home because of lockdown restrictions. The online retailer has already brought on an extra 100,000 workers in its warehouses and as delivery drivers. Since more than 16 million Americans have lost their jobs in three weeks, the new posts are likely to be snapped up. And editor's note, The Economist is making some of its most important coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic freely available to readers of The Economist today, our daily newsletter. For details, visit our hub at www.economist.com forward slash coronavirus. And now, here's today's agenda. Spoiler, OPEC's big deal. Oil producers reached a historic agreement on Sunday to support prices, but it is unclear whether they will succeed in doing so. America helped negotiate a deal between the organization of the petroleum exporting countries, Russia and other players to reduce production by nearly 10 million barrels of oil a day, around 10% of global supply, the largest ever voluntary output cut. Even more notably, the producers agreed to limit production for two years, yet the bargain's impact is uncertain. COVID-19 has prompted oil demand to collapse. Appetites for crude could drop by 20 million barrels a day in April. 
The deal's long duration could support oil prices as demand picks up, but only if producers abide by its terms. In the past, Russia, Iraq and other big producers have regularly exceeded their quotas. Other countries may rebel too. Mexico's reluctance to agree to cuts almost derailed a deal entirely. Those hoping for stable, higher prices will be disappointed. Opening America – Trump v. Governors Today, Donald Trump plans to announce the membership of his Opening Our Country task force, charged with advising him on how to get Americans back to work. Initially, he wanted to reopen the country for Easter. More recently, his administration has been eyeing May 1st. The president claims he has total authority over when to end the lockdown. In reality, governors and mayors will make crucial decisions. Phil Murphy, the Democratic governor of hard-hit New Jersey, said a precipitous reopening would be like pouring gasoline on the fire. Larry Hogan, Maryland's Republican governor, said you can't just pick a date and flip a switch. Anthony Fauci, the federal government's top infectious disease specialist, has called for careful attention to local conditions. America's reopening will probably be gradual, starting with places where death tolls may have peaked already, like New York and Louisiana. It may also be halting, with restrictions returning as pockets of infection re-emerge. A grim picture, the IMF's forecasts. Back in January, the International Monetary Fund was predicting that the global economy would expand at a sluggish pace of 3.3% this year. How rosy that now seems. Its latest forecasts, published today, will be much gloomier, as they reveal how the outbreak of coronavirus and widespread lockdowns will ravage the world's economy. Many forecasters are expecting world GDP to shrink in 2020 for the first time since 2009, with deep downturns in Europe and America. All expect a rebound once the pandemic ends, but they disagree over when the recovery will come, and how quickly the lost output will be made up. A central question is whether governments have enacted sufficient stimulus to ensure that businesses and people have enough cash to spend once economies start to reopen. Expect central bankers and finance ministers to be pondering precisely this as they prepare for the IMF's virtual powwow this week. Signed, Sealed, Delivered – Postal Voting Today, New Mexico's highest court will consider a request by Democratic officials to turn the state's June primary into a mail-only poll. They fear a debacle like Wisconsin's, where last week voters risked their health to brave the crowds after the state Supreme Court refused a delay. Democrats in New Mexico propose mailing each registered voter a ballot. Absentee ballots, already an option, must usually be requested in advance. Republicans there want none of it, citing fears of fraud. The tussle presages a fight over postal voting, which Republicans are loath to encourage in the general election in November. They think it helps Democrats, despite little evidence of this from the five states that already hold postal elections and are fighting measures to make voting easier nationwide. President Donald Trump recently complained that expanded access would mean you'd never have a Republican elected in this country again. He voted by post in 2018. Hacking the virus, programmers and the pandemic. With much of the world under orders to stay at home, would-be volunteers have had a tricky time joining the fight against COVID-19. Programmers, however, need not leave their desks. 
Many are participating in coding competitions called hackathons intended to build digital solutions to combat the pandemic's effects. Hashtag Build for COVID-19 Global Online Hackathon, which was sponsored by Facebook, Microsoft and numerous other tech companies, received over 1,500 submissions from contestants in 175 countries last month. Its top projects included contact tracing apps, online symptom screening platforms and tools to help teachers work better with students remotely. Code 19, a hackathon targeted at battling the outbreak in India, will announce its winners this month. Its leading teams could receive serious money to help further develop their ideas. The contest is promising prizes of up to $10,000 for the best projects. More good ideas are on the way. At least a dozen other Covid-themed hackathons are scheduled. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Arnold J. Toynbee, who was born on this day in 1889. Civilization is a movement and not a condition, a voyage and not a harbour. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.